0: artificial intelligence on its own in the world of media operations or creative is simply not enough. You know, the, quite simply, uh, the output of, of creative, whether it's, you know, no matter how much AI may contribute to it or not, doesn't really make a difference unless you have the right place to place it, you know, the right, the right channel to funnel that ad or that creative to go deliver impact.
1: That's Matt Collins, Director of Product Marketing at Mountain, our sponsor on this episode of the Digiday podcast. Later in the show, Custom talks with Matt about the rise of machine learning within advertising and how marketers can use these tools within their CTV campaigns.
2: Paramount is the home of popular, like the most-watched show on TV, Yellowstone. It also delivers hits to every audience across TV and streaming, from the NFL on CBS to the most-watched preschool franchise, Paw Patrol, beloved comedies like Ghosts, reality franchises like The Challenge, and enthralling dramas like Criminal Minds, Evolution, and Rabbit Hole. Popular is Paramount. See more at Paramount.com.
3: Hello and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I'm the Senior Media Editor at Digiday.
2: And I'm Kaylee Barber, Media Editor at Digiday.
3: So Kaylee, you had the interview this week and you spoke with Chris Dorfler, who is the Director of Innovation at CMI Media Group. Kaylee, why do you want to have Chris on the show?
2: Yeah, so I've been doing a decent amount of reporting around sustainability in the ad space, um, in the digital ad space, uh, for the past couple weeks. And I had had a really great conversation with Chris uh, when I was starting the reporting around that topic. And he has this very kind of like storied history when it comes to sustainability in advertising. Um, He's been working you know, for the past 10 years around uh, sustainability standards and looking at different benchmarks and and thresholds for carbon emissions in you know, digital advertising, which to be completely honest with you was not something I really had paid much mind to or realized had a huge carbon footprint um, until we had been talking. And so I thought it would be great to have him on and and chat with me about the larger picture of sustainability and advertising, which again, really had not considered much uh, prior to this conversation.
3: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, all the reporting you've been doing recently on sustainability. What's been the big takeaway for you in terms of the status of media and advertising companies' sustainability efforts or kind of maybe what even the next phase of those efforts might be?
2: Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway is that, like, publishers, um, ad agencies, brands with, you know, advertising uh, ambitions, like they are all trying to figure out how much carbon is being emitted from their, you know, day-to-day operations right now. And, you know, there are certain areas of the business that are easier to calculate than others. And for some, it's just like, it's a newer thing to even consider the, like, digital advertising ecosystem as an area of carbon emissions in their business. And so one of the bigger facts I've learned is like digital advertising can account for 25% of a company's carbon emissions in their overall operations, which is a very large chunk. And I again I, I don't think it's quite realized. So um the goal that, you know, Chris and I discuss is like getting to a place where not only are companies regularly measuring their carbon emissions in this area, but then also like setting standards for what ad agencies are willing to accept in a media buy, um, you know, telling publishers when their carbon emissions on a media campaign are above their threshold and, you know, changing the relationships in ad conversations to include sustainability as like a a regular metric for um, transacting in that business. Like literally just like having sustainability be a a line on RFP and making sure that it's, you know, a very important factor, um, which I think is coming uh, down the pike, but not quite in a regular cadence in existing conversations
3: right yeah i think it's super challenging because like on the one hand then you're talking about cost management at a time when everyone's trying to cut costs but then also like i would think costs are increasing as especially as things like ai becomes more and more part of the various technologies used by these companies so interesting i'm looking forward to this conversation thanks
2: thanks tim Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
2: Yeah, so we chatted just a few days ago, although this episode is going up a little bit later in May. But um, I've been reporting a lot around the role of sustainability in the digital advertising space, um, in digital publishing. And when we spoke for the stories I was reporting, I thought you'd be a great guest to have on so that we could dive a little bit further into sustainability, carbon emissions, um, and really just, I think... The biggest like, shock for me was learning how substantial digital advertising, uh, how substantial of a role digital advertising has in carbon emissions for different companies' uh, you know, carbon footprints. Um, so, definitely want to talk a lot about, a, about that. But to start off, your background is pretty extensive in sustainability. So, I was hoping you can kind of give us a little um, background on your role as kind of an environmentalist in the advertising space.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, uh, not to get too much into it, but, um, I am a bit of a unique, I have a unique background in terms of why I got into advertising in the first place. And the way I describe it is, uh, the environment has a people problem, right? The environment doesn't have a pr- environment problem. Uh, people have a misinformation problem. I believe people in the aggregate, uh, are, you know, will act on good information if they have it. And then, uh, Misinformation has an advertising problem, right? And so advertising is the financial model behind the flow of most information in society. So I actually got into advertising as being a devout environmentalist to try and help uh, change that dynamic, right? And also, uh, as you were just mentioning, right, advertising and digital has a large carbon footprint too. So there's other pieces to it as well, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, But that's my background in advertising. And I or why I got into it. And I also, um, beyond that, I used to work for Dentsu. I led their sustainability initiatives in the, uh, North America and kind of, and complete, and, and to be honest, designed it, um, as well, and kind of, uh, helped champion that internally and then externally. I've also, uh, worked with the UN, um, and the UN conference on train development and the UN economist network to develop uh principles and frameworks around how different stakeholders right from your governments to your advertising professionals to your publishers and even academics and and so on and so forth could come together to work on this issue i co-launched a group under an organization called future capital uh dedicated to that and then now at cmi media group uh, i helped or i launched the regenerative media council right which is our own internal um leadership council to make sure that this is, is happening and this commitment is, that we are committing to making the needed changes uh, and then i'm also working with publishers and so on so forth to help them make this change right because we don't want to just be uh pushing the work off to other people so i really have a, a long background uh, arguably over or over 10 years um, trying to do this and working hand in hand with folks. So I'm really excited to be here to talk more about it, but, uh, yeah, I consider myself a little bit of an OG in this space.
2: I mean, to your point, you work with a lot of different players in this space. And I think that's really important because it's not just like, it it can't just be one, you know, person or one company, you know, trying to fix the issue. A lot of these, uh, companies publishers advertisers agencies they work in tandem and and are all feeding into that kind of digital advertising ecosystem so it is really important that you kind of have a, a say in in working with all of the different you know players in that space but i think biggest question that listeners are gonna have like what is the actual environmental impact of digital advertising because again, for me I did not realize like how much of an effect it can have but I think uh, it was scope three, a company that uh, measures um, carbon emissions for you know publishers, brands, advertisers they, I I think it was their COO who had told me like 25% of um, or up to 25% of a company's scope three carbon emissions can come from digital advertising, which is a substantial amount. And when you think about scope three in general, like there's a whole guide on this on digiday.com for people who are confused, but like scope three in general can be the largest portion of a, a company's carbon emissions. So like, yeah, help us fu- like fully understand the environmental impact here, because I think it is a lot more than people realize.
4: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I have a lot of thoughts around that. So first off, right, to your point, a lot of brands, um, whether or not, and, and I won't name any names, right, because this is really an issue for all brands, no matter where you come from, but for a lot of brands that are producing goods, right? Uh, let's say they're producing plastic or they're producing cars or, or in our case, you know, medications and packaging and those type of things. Um, those all have a carbon footprint. Right. Uh, but they also have processes that they are um, that are very tough to change in order to make them more environmentally friendly. Right. And so one of the things that's actually particularly interesting about advertising is whereas it might take uh, be very tough to cut emissions from raw materials because we're dealing with digital environments, it's actually quite easy uh, in comparison, right? It's not necessarily easy in general, but it's quite easy in comparison to cut those emissions down. So a lot of our brands are leaning on us because they all have sustainability goals and they're holding themselves to it from a financial standpoint to help them meet that by cutting um, our emissions down, right? And so that is a critical piece to not only to your point, is it a sizable part? Oftentimes it's, Um, their third to fourth largest source of carbon emissions, right, which is somewhat mind boggling to a lot of people. Um, But it's also an area that we can uh, significantly lower Um, and then or or we can make that change more rapidly, if you will. Uh, And then you're also dealing with, uh, you know, for WPP and CMI Media Group, most of our emissions are actually coming from scope three in our supply chain arguably over um, 95%, right, are coming mm-hmm. from our digital op- our digital activations and our campaigns, and not just our digital activations, sorry, our our media activations, right, because it, it's across all channels. Um, and so if we want to meet our global uh, goals around sustainability, we need to make, make this change, right, because that's really the only way we can do it. There's only so many solar panels we could put on a roof, right, to meet this. Um, and then also to your point, uh, there's actually a book uh, I consider is it, the seminal book in this. It's called uh, Worldwide Waste. Uh, it came out in 2019. Uh, it, it's a relatively short read, particularly for a complex topic, right? It's pretty easy mm-hmm. to get through, in my opinion. Um, but that really dives into the uh, the math and the specifics behind a lot of this, right? And shows how how much of an impact we are having on the global community in, in many different regards, right? From your data storage to how you're serving ads to whether or not you're... Um, You know, uh, you know, using video or digital display, Uh, a great stat or an interesting stat, I should say, around this was in the it was 2018, the song uh, Despacito, right, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people have streamed or uh, at least heard of Um, that the streaming of that one video consumed more electricity than Chad, Sierra Leone, Somalia, Guinea-Bissau and I think the Congo or I think or the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo combined. Oh my god! Right? So that is right. Those are uh, those are not the most developed countries. However, there's millions of people there. Right. So the streaming of that one video had a larger carbon footprint than millions of people. Right. And advertising, of course, plays a role in that. Media is obviously playing a role in that. Um, so in order for the world to uh, and there's actually one other uh, stat that I'll say the Financial Times reported in 2019 that um, digital and this is on the high end. But by 2030, digital advertising and data could go up as high as 21 percent of global emissions, right, which is absolutely staggering and would mean that the world would not be able to meet their emission reduction needs in order to keep, you know, to avoid catastrophic climate change um, unless we tackle this. Right. So this is not only an issue for us as organizations, but for the world as a whole. Um, And uh, it's definitely something that CMI Media Group, right, we are leaning into because we are owning that responsibility. Um, that we have a part to play in this change and particularly in the healthcare space where is our focus.
2: Yeah. And I think one other kind of recent example that helped me understand f- more like holistically that the digital world does have an impact on carbon is uh, like when Web3 and blockchain were all the rage, uh, especially in like, I think 2021. Yeah. Um yeah. Like
4: the metaverse, right, too, also, right,
2: yeah, the metaverse, and like I think it was this idea that like there are servers that are just constantly mining for crypto, and those servers are uh or those computers are hooked up to a grid, they use an in- like insane amount of energy, but I think that's the first time I kind of thought of the digital world as having an impact on the physical, and now, when you're thinking of like emerging technologies like AI coming into the, mm-hmm. in, into the picture, right? Like people are talking about generative AI as this kind of like uh new, exciting technology. It can transform advertising. It can transform publishing. It can transform, you know, most digital whatever, but like yeah. there is an added layer of digital carbon emissions that are coming into the picture here. And I think, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of how emerging technologies like this kind of layer onto the problem. And if there is this kind of uh, need to like whittle down how many, you know, intermediaries are involved in the digital advertising economy. But I'm also just kind of curious, like how sustainability, how carbon emissions in this digital world are measured in the first place because of so many different like added technologies that seem to come into the picture every single day at this rate?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a very interesting question. And, um, you know, kind of to touch on it a few different ways is so, you know, right. My role is this director of innovation and I've actually played, um, it's interesting to bring up Web3 because one of my previous roles um, uh, in, in a former organization was to support their venture capital arm uh, on specifically web three technologies. Uh, cause I have a background, not just in sustainability, but supporting individual sovereignty, right. And kind of creating healthy online digital spaces as a whole, which data privacy plays a big impact on. Right. Um, and so the web three world has so much promise in terms of providing more, uh, power to people, right. Over their, what they're doing and how they're interacting. However, those come with enormous amount of processes, right? And there's also these new technologies that are making data capture far easier um, and, and more uh, ability to capture wider amounts of data, but that also means we're capturing more data, which has a carbon footprint, right? And I think traditionally people have thought that, you know, if we move away from print advertising to digital, that would have a lower carbon footprint, but we're now realizing that it, it really depends and oftentimes it's actually an even higher footprint, right? Um, and so specifically like, you know, in web three, there's certain things that have happened, right? Uh, Bitcoin is proof of work and other technologies are proof of stake and not to go too much into that, but that just shows how some of the players in that space are really trying to reduce and proof of stake has a much lower, lower carbon footprint. I believe it's something in, in the realm of like 99% lower. Right. And so one of the things with these new technologies is it's very important to take note of the, you know, the footprint and how it's having impact on the larger world, not just to be leaning into them and just, you know, onboarding them and then dealing with the repercussions later, right? Because we're, mm-hmm. we're past that point and we really need to be getting out ahead of it. So when we are evaluating new technologies from our end, this is something that we are factoring into it. And we really consider sustainability and human rights and these types of things as a part of innovation, right? Not an aside from it. So that's one of the ways that we are really leaning into it and making sure that, uh, and I believe I, I, I forget which conference, um, but I went to a conference and, and so my colleagues went to, um, in a former role, went to, uh, I think it was in Dubai, but they were um, different countries, right? All had these, uh, these booths, if you will, right? They had the whole, it was, it was like a whole city basically and each country had their own things. And one of the, the themes that came out of that was that uh, innovation and sustainability. You can't have innovation without sustainability now, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no, there's no planet B, right? There's, there's only the world we all live on and we need to make sure that we are, um, making it, uh, not just livable, but, uh, really, uh, regenerative, right? And really something that we are all benefiting from and the value, there's a, a value being attributed to the, both the, the consumer the, us, uh, you know, as, as agency and brands, but also the wider world and the impact. So long story short, um, to your point, a lot of these new technologies do have a larger carbon footprint uh, when they're first created, but we're really pushing the partners and the places we're working with to, to lower that and to think of how do they uh, expand on these these ideas, these wonderful ideas they have, and factor in these larger societal needs.
2: So getting into the actual, like, measurement of carbon emissions it can be pretty i don't want to say it's difficult because it's manageable like people can do it right but it also like i remember seeing like some companies um reporting in like 2021 that they want to be net zero or carbon neutral you know in within 10 years time in my mind i'm like i don't even know if they fully understand like their full carbon emissions at this point like can you talk a little bit about the actual process of measuring carbon emissions in a digital space and whether it's comprehensive at this point? Because I feel like there are a lot of changes that happen, you know, especially adding in some of these new technologies.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I actually would say it is quite difficult still, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I th- that has been wonderful in the past few years, and I could say this as someone who's been in this for a long time. Is the technologies and capabilities to start doing that have vastly increased, right? You mentioned Scope Three. There's also a company called Good Loop, um, and many and AdNet Zero, right? Um, and and WPP and Group M ha- are rolling out this carbon calculator that we are using as well for at, at the channel level, right? So um, there's uh, to to your point. What we're really focusing on now is adding that transparency to the ecosystem because we can't make the needed change if we don't know what the change needs to be, right? So right now we're working with organizations just to add that clarity as to, you know, if we have one type of media campaign, right? Whether it's from the channel point to the activation point, right? From how we're spending our money to the publishers we're spending our money with, and then also even the analytics, right? and, And the data storage that's going in behind it, right? Because we're talking about, you mentioned AI before, we need to make sure that the, you know, the algorithms behind that are not uh, energy intensive, or at least are as efficient as they possibly can be. Um, but to kind of go back to the measurement part specifically, is we now are uh, breaking it out into different. Uh, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to say different buckets because that implies that they're not connected, but almost different stages, right? And so you have, and there's also qualitative and quantitative, right? So there's more qualitative scores, which are based off of quantitative scores, but a company called like EcoVadis. Right, that they uh, allow they give companies a rating, and, and then that allows different uh, and, and they audit um, their resources. And right, and you have to provide data just to show what you're doing from a larger organization. And then that adds transparency to you know we have um, brands come and ask us, okay, what's our EcoVadis score? Right, and that's an easy thing for us to provide to them. It's a little more qualitative for us because right, it's just a score doesn't give them the metrics. Um, but then now we are starting to uh, include tags, right? That can measure the uh, carbon footprint down to the ad level. So you can know a 300 by 250 banner on one site. Um, it has a certain carbon footprint versus a 720 by 90 on a different site, right? And a digital video here versus a digital video there. So that allows us to both get transparency on our own operations and our media campaigns, but also to, to have the ability to go to a publisher and say, hey, look, we have the data behind this to say that you are you know, a larger emitter. So if you want to keep working with us, we need you to bring it down. Um, right now, I, I think, you know, we, we spoke about in, in the article that we talked about, we're really going with more the carrot than the stick. We're not telling people you need to cut it down or else you're cut out. We're more saying, we're you know, acknowledging that there is a higher emitter and saying, we want to work with you. And here's some of the tools that we think you can use to, um, to get there. And we will uh, support you in that. And if you, you know, as long as you're leaning into it, that's what we need to see. Uh, down the road, that may change. Um, and then there's also other things, right, which is not something that CMI Media Group is touching as much uh, in terms of the creative process, right, but WPP as a whole certainly does. And we know, we have the knowledge to be able to help our brands get to this point. But there's an organization called um, Green the Bid, uh, which I recommend everyone, uh, so, uh, all, all listeners looking into, they are, re- uh, and or they're really, they're an organization committed to Helping the media production uh, industry or part of this make the necessary changes, uh, and now they're they're connected with AdNet Zero, which some people might have heard of. Um, there's Dimpact and some other organizations like that, um, which also can uh, do. Um, uh, there's actually another organization I'm just going to say because I think this is particularly relevant for. What I'm next, going to say uh, in the U.S. Could plant uh, a organization called Good Planet, and what they're able to do is help. Ah, uh, media production companies uh, reduce their carbon from everything from you know the flights that go to shooting something to are you recycling, are you using reusable bottles, right? So there's so many different parts of this that uh, can you know that can be tweaked uh, in order to and and then also changed in order to meet make, make those need those changes. And so we are. Uh, long story short, we are trying to capture, right now we're in the stage of adding that transparency so that we can start taking those next stages to really make meaningful change.
2: Right. So this kind of like giving a grade to a a partner or to yourself even to then show like, this is where we are in our environmental journey. This is where, you know, we rank amongst um, our peers. That is adding the transparency layer. So it sounds like in this, you know, current carrot phase, not stick phase, that the role of sustainability isn't kind of making or breaking um, media buys at this time or like, you know, whether or not um, you at CMI Media Group are working with a publisher or a brand is working with you. It's not really kind of at that decision-making point, but it's a consideration, it sounds like.
4: Yeah, so it's it's definitely a consideration. Um, also, one of the things that the reason part why it's not a breaking point is uh, a lot of your smaller publishers who uh, do, don't have the resources to make these change or are being exposed to this for the first time, right? We work in the healthcare space mainly and a lot of the publishers we work with are not, you know, enormous companies, right? And they don't necessarily have um, the expertise on hand to have already been tackling this. Uh, and then also, you know, minority, de you know, related uh, aspects. We don't want uh, that to be a hindrance in, the uh, them showing up and being part of our plans, we just also want to them to know that it's something we're factoring in, and if they do need support, excuse me, we are there to help them uh, you know, get to that point. Uh, also, there's another aspect where, and I think all people who talk about this would acknowledge, is there's no real true standardization yet. So it's it's a tough thing to be able to say, hey, we're holding you to a standard that doesn't necessarily exist, right? So we're all kind of writing our own standards at this point, uh, which we all, the people who are really linked this acknowledge that that doesn't, that's not the best way to go, right? We don't want to have our own methodology. Another company has their own methodology. So a lot of the larger holding companies are coming together. And, and as part of, you know, people like Atnet Zero and, and other folks like that, too, are also coming together. Uh, 51 Carbon Zero is, is another one are coming together to kind of establish those standards so that we all um, know, okay, here's, here's how we're going to do it and then we could kind of compete as to who does it the best, right? And also then we don't want, and the way I describe it too is um, we want, we don't want to put our flag in the sand and say there's only one way to do it. We want to kind of have a range of, uh, of solutions that are in the right vein, right, are going to get there and some are a little bit of lower end, some are a little bit the higher end, but some of the lower end ones might be doing something great. Again, for example, in data privacy or de and and we don't want to penalize them for not also doing everything under the sun. Right. And so we're really trying to treat this as, um, you know, down the road, we're hoping we're not hoping we're planning on it being, you know, being a high polluter will actually be more costly than being a low polluter and how do we make these changes so that that is the reality and then people will be rewarded for being more efficient.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, then we'll be right back.
1: I'm Christina Ko, Senior Editor at Custom, Digiday Media's in-house agency. In this podcast, Interstitial Story, sponsored by Mountain, we speak with Matt Collins, the company's director of product marketing, about the rise of machine learning within advertising and how marketers can use these tools within their CTV campaigns.
0: Uh, Creatives are already using it to help to juice their process. Copywriters, for example, are going into ChatGBT to play around with different copy and to maybe reduce the risk of writer's block in creating ideas that they can use to uh, to then formulate their own ad copy and then generative ai tools like MidJourney are, are enabling users to conjure up uh, images that can serve into storyboards and there are even tools that do this for video that can help to get those creative juices going and the results are just extraordinary now, these creatives using these tools are able to produce really high quality emotionally laden Uh, inspiration to help them bring their ideas to life.
1: While there are many ways marketing teams are using machine learning tools in their day-to-day, Matt knows that these tools can only do so much on their own. To be effective, they need human input.
0: That process of generating the brief is thoughtful, it takes time. Uh, But one of the things that's been the most useful for me in the generation of those briefs is then the sharing of those briefs with a creative director who will be responsible for bringing together copywriter, uh, uh, you know, the illustrators and then ultimately the team that brings that video to life. The creative directors that I've worked with on these projects oftentimes push back and they ask and they probe about what, you know, what is it that I want uh, the, the viewers of my video to feel, what do we want them to, to do as a result of of exposure to the video that I'm creating and they might push back or challenge me on some of my assumptions. It's hard to imagine, at at least as currently configured, that artificial intelligence would be able to bring the critical thinking that's required in order to generate those conversations, which ultimately result in a better brief. And a better brief usually results in a better video.
1: While AI tools do currently have some limitations, as Matt outlined, such as a lack of critical thinking skills, they do allow marketers to make some processes more efficient. And as many marketers are likely happy to hear, AI tools are not meant to replace human beings. The two are meant to complement one another.
0: I think that artificial intelligence is today and likely to remain a powerful augmentation to what people deliver, but it can't replace Every step of that end-to-end process for delivering great creative. Humans still have a big role to play. It also would be the case that uh, it would be a mistake to pin everything on AI to simply say hey boss check we've got AI we're all set. And of course AI doesn't necessarily on its own bring a performance mindset that has to be set and determined uh, by the people who are creating the rules. So It's important, I think, for advertisers, regardless of whether they're focused more on the media operations aspect or on the creative aspect, to just remember that they've got a significant role to play in making sure that all of that great work that goes into planning, targeting, executing, and optimizing a campaign uh, to be at its very best.
1: You've been listening to Matt Collins, Director of Product Marketing at Mountain, our sponsor on this episode. And now, back to the DigiDay podcast.
2: When it comes to entertainment, popular is Paramount. It's the most-watched TV media family with top shows including NCIS, South Park, 60 Minutes, and the BET Awards. Paramount Plus is the fastest-growing streaming service, thanks to favorites like 1923, Tulsa King, and the UEFA Champions League. And Pluto TV, a leader in free streaming, has nearly 79 million global monthly active users. See more at Paramount.com. So I think one of the things that I also wanted to chat with you about, and we have spoken about this for a couple of the stories I wrote earlier um, this month, was this idea of like, the financial implications of sustainability are actually probably working in the favor of, uh, you know, advertisers, publishers, agencies, especially in this kind of current economic uh, downturn, whatever we want to call it. But there is kind of this financial, like, incentive behind considering sustainable media buys, um, you know, green media, I think some people call it. But can you talk a little bit about kind of the reasons why, you know, buying an ad on a site that has a lower carbon footprint or has a lower carbon emission might be better than just kind of, you know, going hog wild in the programmatic space and, you know, against like made for advertising sites, for instance.
4: Yeah, of course, of course. So um, there's actually a study that uh, was recently published by, I think it was with Scope 3 and a company called I-O, I O E Y E O. I E-Y-E-O. I believe that's how you spell mm-hmm. it. People from I O, if you're hearing this, I apologize if I got that wrong. Um, but they came out with a study that, uh, showed that, um, decluttered ad pages, right? So pages that didn't have a ton of ads that followed you around and really were just overwhelming the user also had 11 and a half times lower carbon footprint, but also, uh, and I forget the exact, um, percentage here, but had an over 50%, I think it was over 60 or maybe even higher percent increase in, uh, brand awareness, right? And so that higher quality inventory is of course better for brands because we're trying to get in front of you and have them remember us, right? And, and be aware of the message we're putting out there. So there's been a bit of a bastardization, in, in my opinion, of the advertising process that we've all raced to the lowest price point, rather than focusing on the quality of the inventory. And now I think people are, starting, are waking up to that and realizing there's a shift to be made and we really need to have better ads, not just more ads. Um, and fortunately, those better high quality ads oftentimes have a lower carbon footprint, right? Because it's showing that we're being more efficient. Um, the publisher, right, doesn't need to have as many uh, header bidders on the page, um, which has a lower electricity use. And a lot of those those uh, different, you know, those um, reselling tags are not even, to my understanding, right? I haven't been a publisher, um, but from what I've heard, are not even really moving the needle very much, right? There, It's a marginal increase in in the money they're making. And so there's really a, a value to be... Um, there's really a, a, a win, 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 win situation happening here, right? Where the brand has higher quality inventory. The publisher, uh, doesn't have to, they, they can also, you know, if it's a higher quality ad, they should be able to charge more for it. Right. And so they can um, ensure that their content is of higher quality. The consumer who is engaging with that content is not being overwhelmed and inundated with information that's separate from the content the publisher is trying to produce out there. Um, and then as an agency, we have greater transparency as to the inventory we're buying, right? Because we want to be buying the highest quality inventory and we want the uh, levers to be able to do that. Um, and then, at, of course, at the end of the day, the, the, the planet benefits from having lower carbon emissions. And so we are really trying to um, kind of make, again, make that change happen in a way that truly is a win-win-win. And fortunately now with a lot of these different uh, you know, publishers and partners coming into this space, that those, that data behind that win, win, win situation is coming to light too. And so we're trying to get that out there to show, Hey, you know, to our brands, look, we're not just saying that this is a, you know, a philanthropic thing, right? You're not just doing this for the benefit of the world, even though a lot of our, fortunately, a lot of our clients are actually very much for that because the way they work in the health space and health really matters. Um, but they're also, we're also able to say, look, it will provide you a better, relationship and more trust and, you know, and then at the end of the day or more trust with your consumer, which at the end of the day will drive sales. Um, And so fortunately, that is the case here. And so we are and more and more information is coming out to prove that.
2: Yeah. And I think you had touched on um, something that's been happening in the programmatic space. There's this kind of like race to the lowest price point. And because of that, there's been this like I feel like a massive influx in the number of like SSPs and DSPs that are being used Mm -hmm. by different partners. And so my colleague Ronan um, had written this story about kind of supply path optimization as being kind of one of the solutions that's driving some of the sustainability efforts right now in the industry. And because there is this like you need to create transparency before you can kind of like set firm like benchmarks or, you know, standards for who you're working with and like use those different benchmarks as like where you will spend money and where you won't, because you're still working up to getting to that point. What are some of the solutions that can happen right now? And how is like supply path optimization, something that is currently being put into effect?
4: Yeah. So uh, part, I love that you mentioned the word benchmark, right? Because that's actually something that we're doing internally now. Uh, is building those benchmarks right and that's part of adding this transparency is is to build these benchmarks and also so that we can communicate that out right um, and so publishers know okay here's here's where what I'm being held to right this it doesn't seem you know behind a black box because one of the things that is fortunate about this uh, this space is the greater transparency for all uh, provides value to all right so we're really we're not just keeping the information in house and uh, saying you know please just, figure it out yourself and then come to us once you've done it. Right. We're trying to say, here's how we're doing it. Uh, and here's the benchmarks we're trying to use. Um, and then can you try and come in under these benchmarks? Right. I will also say, right, because I'm not, um, not, well, I'm not on the publisher side. I'll say it from an agency side. What we are doing is, uh, just as an example, right, let's say a publisher previously was using 20, uh, you know, header bidders or, or what have you to serve the, or to serve their, um, you know their their advertising. Uh, we are saying uh, that they should they need to um, choose, let's say the top ten, right? It, it's it varies, so I'm not going to don't hold me to that number. But essentially, that's the road we're going down. You should choose your top ten, um, so that you are, uh, which would drastically lower your carbon footprint, right? And you're not even and most of the time that change in financial value is negligible, if not it's it's nothing, right? Almost um and so we are trying we are saying that we are going to be rewarding the partners who are doing that so they know that once they do it they are not going to lose out on money they'll actually be gaining money right and so that again is again the the, the carrot aspect um and then we're also there's things now like called a, they have different names but some, the green pnps and so on and so forth a share through is a company that's done this uh very well um but The way we're going to be buying media, so um, through and and the trade desk, for example, also has a relationship with scope three that allows us to know ahead of time here are the publishers that are already doing that, right? And here is, uh, and then also if we like the green BMP, is if you only want to buy inventory in those spaces with those publishers or those places that are already doing that. Uh, we can do that without needing to, you know, on a day to day level or week to week level, make those changes. It's kind of set in stone for us. And so that's, again, um, how we are approaching it from an agency to uh, help pu- publishers who are doing this get the, that ad revenue. Um, and uh, down the road, because, again, we're having our, our clients are very much excited about this. Every client we talk to, there's literally been no one who's like, oh, that doesn't sound that important. They're all like, oh my God, this sounds great. I'd love to do this. Uh, because a lot of times these media professionals within the organization um have been left out of the conversation of these organizations in terms of their sustainability needs. Right. So it's actually pretty exciting for them to now be able to say, oh, we can go back to our organization and contribute to this thing that they've all committed to. And most of these organizations have financial commitments, right? Where they need to hit this in order to um, you know, whether or not it's with their shareholders or their financing, you know, it, it varies. Um but now we can say, hey, you can cut your carbon emissions by X or, you know, and we can provide that reporting. And so they're all saying, oh, please do that. Um, and please, lean, we need to have more conversations around this. And so we are then going back to our publishers and saying, hey, our clients are saying this. So, um, you know, let's bring us all together and let's have the conversation as to because we again, we don't want the publishers to be losing out by any stretch. So we want to hear their voices um, so that we can communicate all the deeds of the different parties and that when they do make those necessary, you know, let's call it tech changes or content changes, um, the, the rewards are there.
2: I think one of the other curiosities I have is kind of around reduction versus offsetting and the goals of becoming carbon neutral or net zero. Curious if those are the same thing, if those are different. Um, and like, what are reasonable kind of expectations for how much carbon can be reduced from, you know a typical digital advertising business right now. But I guess, can you like explain a little bit about, you know, you mentioned your clients have goals kind of that they come to you with. What are the realistic decreases that can happen in carbon emissions at this stage? And are these goals bound to change soon? Like, I don't know, I I just I'm curious about kind of these goals that people have set.
4: Yeah, so there's a a few different things to say. So I would say net zero and and carbon neutral are different. Uh, Carbon neutral just includes carbon, right? Net zero is all emissions coming from, you know, different different types of, um, you know, gases and that type of stuff. So we do use the word net zero for the sake of it um, in in our operations. And uh, the global uh, science, it's SBTI, it's the science-based Targets protocol says uh, and, pre- and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this but I might just be mixing up some things but you you have to cut your emissions but 90% of your reduction needs to come from emission reduction right and 10% can come from offsets right so right now it's a little bit easier to do the offsets part um, and if you're going to become um, you know neutral on on your 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 operations you are right. if companies are focusing on those offsets, and that is how WPP right now is offsetting. So for example, all of the emissions from our offices are being offset. Right. And that's currently how we're, we're approaching that. However, uh, we do have goals to have, uh, by 2025, um, all of our, you know, operate all our scope one and scope two operations, uh, re- sourced by renewable energy. Right. And then we have 2030 goals to, uh, of net zero. Um, and what I'll say is a lot of those, uh, we are held to those, right? And so they're a lot of times they're ambitious. Um, and at the end of the, but at the end of the day, we're at the stage where we need to be ambitious, right? Um, and we also need to be sure that they are aligned with scientifically based targets. And so there's organizations that are auditing around those, you know, third parties who are auditing around that. Um, and then we are also in turn auditing some of our partners, like, um, well, on containers but we're also auditing our partners to make sure that they are aligned to that too um, and then in terms of will those um, targets get uh, more ambitious or so I certainly don't expect them to get less ambitious uh, there's a chance that we won't hit them right um, just because there's a chance in, in you know in all scenarios that we don't hit them however we uh, we, we will be penalized for that right but Also, technologies are evolving. The capabilities in the media landscape are evolving, right? As I was saying earlier, the vast majority of our emissions are coming from our scope three, um, which is most of that is, uh, the vast majority of that is coming from our media campaigns, right? There's other things like our flights and that type of stuff that factor into that, but the vast majority comes from that. And so we need to drastically cut those emissions. Um, And with these new technologies they are adding greater transparency, And more publishers leaning in, the the landscape will change. And so the ability to make those changes will also change in in accordance. And so again, we are, but we're not taking a passive stance on that. We are saying, you know, again, particularly from the CMI media group standpoint, we are reaching out to our our healthcare publisher sites um, and then, you know, other sites that we work with uh, quite a bit and saying that they need to, to make that change. Um, And they need to create their own scientifically based targets and provide them to us so that we know uh, that and and have them be audited themselves. Right. So then we know they are aligned to the same commitments we are because they are our supply chain and which is in turn our client supply chain. So unless they make the change, the change isn't going to happen and vice versa to a a large degree. Um, So that is. A bit how we do have set in you know set goals that we are being held to. However, we are where we can. We certainly want to be more ambitious. Um, and then where we feel that we're not achieving that, you know, on that road, we are saying, okay, what what do we need to do to get more be- on track better, um, rather than just saying, ah, you know, it's tough luck. Um, no, we're we're taking a very active role
3: in all of that.
2: Right, and I think um, offsetting is an interesting. Topic too, because in speaking with other uh, sources for the sustainability reporting, there's this you know the idea of offsetting is like essentially like planting trees to offset how much carbon you produce, right? Like I, maybe it's that's more one depth that's one example. That. It's one yes, of the yes, examples. Okay. Yeah. So it's an interesting concept because it is basically kind of like spending more money to kind of like cover you know, what you're doing. Right. And it's working in the short term, but I'm curious about like long-term what your thoughts are on the role of offsets and also kind of how offsets fit into the mix. Like if it's a a cost that like CMI media group is covering right now, if it's a cost that's being like, you know, included in the fees for your clients or, uh, you know, How does offsets fit in? And do you see that being kind of like, I think you mentioned it has to be like under 10% of, you know, uh, a company's carbon neutrality or net zero efforts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But yeah, is it, is this like a short term thing? Is it something that you think has like positive long tail effects as well? Or or, yeah, you just talk a little bit more about that.
4: Yeah. So part of the, so first um, one answer to, or, or one piece of the answer to that question is Uh, WPP, so again, we're under the WPP umbrella, right? And WPP is offsetting um, our emissions. So if uh, we we are, we're not passing that on to our clients, we're not passing it on to our publishers. However, if our publisher is already offset, then we don't need to offset, right? So there's a certain aspect of we're trying to get greater transparency. So we don't need to, you know, double offset or even triple offset, right? Because if Mm -hmm. we're all offsetting over the same things, now that's not a bad thing in terms of the world right now because that means we're investing more money in, in helping the world out, but it is something that, you know, is not the most is not efficient, right? And so that greater transparency does allow us to more properly do that. Um, and then another thing that I think sometimes is missed in the conversation about offsetting that I think is of value, um, and this is something that I really focus on in my in my day-to-day life, um, but also I, I encourage other folks to in the media industry to think more, to have more imagination around this, is one of the things that's valuable about, about offsetting is it can also go to things like wildlife support programs, um, because one of the things is we can't just worry about the emissions that are in the air. We also have to worry about the ecosystems we're all part of, right? Mm-hmm. And so we should be investing money in local communities in, in the larger world to help sustain and preserve those spaces, Because again, if there's no environment, it doesn't really, if there's no wildlife and if we're cutting down all the trees in the rainforest, it doesn't matter how many trees you plant the next year, right? Because those trees in the rainforest were so much, so valuable. Um, And I think there was a stat uh, out of that book, Worldwide Waste, and I think I'm going to quote this, right? But if uh, I think it was, you know, we're we're getting to the point we're in zeta bytes, right, Of, of, uh, of data. And I think by 2030, if we were currently on our same path, or even at the high end, maybe, um, it would take over 840 billion trees to offset, right? And that's just a staggering number. So it's truly not doable, right? There's just no, it's just not achievable in order to get that point. However, also, it's not achievable, at least in the current world, to have truly zero, right? Net zero is based off of, um, I forget the year, but it's based off of like, um, a, a specific point, right? So It's not currently possible to have truly zero emissions. So Mm -hmm. even at the end of the day, after we do all these reductions, there's still going to be a point that offsetting what still does remain is valuable. Um, And there's also a new term that I've heard just recently, which is the uh, term. You know, there's offsets. There's also the term insets. I I believe that's the right word. Um, But one of the the difference there is an offset is you pay someone else right to plant trees. An inset is you as an organization, and this is mostly only available to large organizations, but I think it's that that will change in the future. You have your own, um, you know, program to support like the wildlife or nature and, and, you know, trees and such in your, you have your own projects, right? So let's say an organization is based out of, you know, a specific community or a specific state or or a country. Um, They will invest in projects that they will lead, they will develop, they will hire the professionals to make sure it happens which has a larger cost to it, but as much more transparency and ability to know, okay, this is what is happening. And then also ideally um, the community that that is a part of will know that this is the company that does this and they will reward you for it. Right? So a company become a greater part of their community. Um, So long story short offsets, I don't think at least in our current trajectory are going to go away. However, they do need to be a small part of the small part of the puzzle. um, And, we're really pushing a reduction first approach rather than offset first approach.
2: Got it. Got it. And as we kind of wrap up this episode, because I know we've talked a lot, it's it's a very big topic. There's a lot to yeah. kind of dig into, but I am curious, you know, being so close to it yourself, what the next 10 years, 20 years kind of has in store and whether you think we're on the right path, if you think that there needs to be, you know, big efforts made in certain areas or, you know, it sounds like adoption of just thinking sustainably is still a big part of this. But curious, you know, looking ahead for the next couple of decades, what your thoughts are if you think that there is positivity to look out towards in digital advertising holistically?
4: Yeah. So I'm going to put a little bit of my environmentalist hat on here as uh, on for this um, question as well. Not that I haven't had that on right the whole time, Rich. but really just coming from that perspective is. Um, the reality is the world is not on track. It's just not to, to meet their goals and uh, to avoid catastrophic healthcare, uh, health-related issues, right? Um, so, you know, ICC just had a report that, that showed that, um, as well as a lot of our online spaces. I think um, there was, uh, in, in the World Wide Waste, they have a good analogy of a lot of online web pages are the equivalency of like a diesel engine from the 50s, right? They're just very clunky, they're mm-hmm. not where we need them to be. Um, and even as an agency, if I want to still use that and said using a diesel engine, there's almost, you know, in this, in this analogy, there's almost nothing I can do to, uh, to make that change without supporting them, getting on a more efficient, you know, engine or, or page. Right. Um, so the reality is we do need to be more as, as a, as an industry, we do need to be more ambitious. We do need to lean more into this. We need more people to, we need more companies to hire professionals who have this knowledge. And to um, disseminate this knowledge out to their employees, right? Because a lot of times the people making these decisions on a day to day campaign are younger professionals who don't have a background in this. And it's actually, uh, in my opinion, not fair to expect them to be the ones to make this change, right? Sometimes I um, give the analogy of uh, it feels like, for, for somewhat younger audiences, right? It sometimes feels like you're handed the keys to a burning house without being given a fire extinguisher. Right. And so we're now trying to find that fire extinguisher rather than being you know, helped along the way. Um, and so that needs to change. Right. There needs to be this uh, awareness that this change is not easy, and, but is completely necessary and that we need to be more ambitious. Um, however, what I will say where I do have hope um, is, first off, I like to give the analogy of I think people focus too much on building the house rather than putting their brick down. Um, So I think if people more focus on what they can do, right, rather than the larger problem, we will get there, the house will be built. And so I'm seeing much more people uh, realize that and starting to feel, okay, what is my brick? What is the part that I can play? Um, And I'll say again, as someone who's been in this space for uh, over 10 years, and I've really dedicated my career and and my life to this, um, I am more hopeful than I have ever been in the past, because whereas before, it felt like I was banging down doors um, and sometimes, you know, I, I even have those stories, we talked about this another time where sometimes people even laughed at me because they're like, oh, that's almost even silly. Um, now people are like, oh, wow, this, I want to hear more. Please talk more about this. Uh, and that's very heartwarming for me. Right. Um, and I think that is showing uh, one because people always cared, I think. But now they're realizing that they need to take an active stance and they need to take, turn, take that care and turn it to action. So I'm actually really excited for that action that's coming. Um, And as an environmentalist, this was never going to be easy. It is a long-term thing, right? So starting to see people wake up and make those necessary changes is giving me hope for the fact that these changes will happen rather than people still being in the dark. So long story short, we do need to be more ambitious. We do need to make more changes. However, um, people are starting to make those changes. And I think, you know, with the ingenuity that so many people have and the brilliance of all so many people I talk to, I am hopeful that we will get to a point where we have a regenerative system and a regenerative society where nature is a part of that and it is not being left to the wayside.
2: Yeah. To your point of people kind of like waking up and realizing that they can play a role themselves in their day to day, they can, um, you know, see what has to be done. I think also having. To a degree, the financial incentive to do so yes. and realize that their business has the potential of being positively impacted by making sustainable choices is a, you know, a hugely motivating uh, element as well. Even though yeah. f- finances shouldn't be, you know, the reason why people do things, it absolutely is, especially in this economic downturn. So, yeah, I am there with you that. I am hopeful as well, but it's been super helpful to get your insights. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this with us. And um, I will be, I'm sure, bothering you a lot more in the future for uh, additional stories around sustainability.
4: Please do. Um, It's been wonderful talking with you. Um, And to the last thing you said, you're right, like because finances or where it's coming from, people really need more permission to make these changes, right? And whether or not it's because your stockholders or what have you, I think that permission is coming.
2: All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday Podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. We'll be back next week with another episode.